everyone. This is the Hopecast from Hope Church RBA. I'm Rachel Dawson. I'm part of our communications team here at Hope, and I'm joined today by our connections pastor, Dan Yoon. We are here to have a conversation about common questions in life and faith in under 30 minutes. So today's question is, why is it important to serve others? And Dan, I'm so glad you're here for this conversation. I feel like as part of your role here at Hope, you have done a lot of work and thinking and put a lot of energy into helping create a culture here where we are serving, where we are people who want to serve others. And I've really loved learning from some of your kind of wisdom and teaching in that space. And I'm excited to kind of dive into why why is it important? Is it even important? And then what do we kind of do with that to be people who are serving others? Yeah, um, thanks for having me. Yeah. And this is a great question. Um, I'll take a swing at this. Sure. Starting with, I guess, a faith perspective. So, as Christ followers, I try to trace back the origin story of who we are meant to be. Mm-hmm. And so, part of that process, I go to the book of Genesis. It's the first book of the Bible. And that word Genesis means beginning. And so, early on, you get several pictures, several narratives that show in a lot of ways, uh, how the world was meant to be, Mm -hmm. Um, not just creation itself, but as part of creation, humanity. Mm -hmm. So without getting too into the weeds, uh, Genesis chapter 12 has this interesting account where God makes a connection with a dude named Abram, right? And Mm -hmm. so later on in this dude's life, there's a name change. God changes his name from Abram to Abraham. That's a whole separate story. (laughs) But what I'm trying to share is that with Abram, God makes this invitation for Abram to follow God. And it's a really gnarly invitation. It's like, hey, go to a land that I will show you eventually. So Mm. in that invitation, it's not even like a clear destination. It's simply an invitation to follow God. But with that invitation, there's this promise to be blessed. Mm. God says, you follow me and I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will turn you into a massive nation. And back in that context, uh, having offspring, uh, becoming a nation, uh, was really a big deal, right? Not everyone got to that status or that level. And so it was a very appealing promise, I can imagine. But tied into that promise, without skipping a beat, there are a few lines where God then says, you will be, you will be blessed in order to be a blessing. Hmm. And then towards the end of that promise, there's a phrase that says, and all will be blessed through you. Now, the reason why I share that is that part of being the people of God comes with this great promise that God will bless us, whatever that looks like. But in that, it's not meant to stop with us. When we are blessed, we are then meant to, we are then created to bless others. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about serving others, when we talk about following the Lord, it's almost like this posture that we take to say, yes, in our interactions of following God, we will receive from the Lord. And with that, now I have an opportunity to bless others mm-hmm. in the way that God had originally hoped and intended. Mm, that's good. It's a helpful shift because I think for so many of us, even the way that we interact with church or engage with church can kind of just be a, we show up on Sunday, we come, we mm. receive, we you know maybe sing along to some songs, we mm. hear a message presented and that we might kind of leave and that might be it. And so it feels like a helpful shift for us to realize that it's not just to be received or to be blessed as ourselves um, and to just receive and get that from God, but then instead to do something with that and give to others. Um, What are some ways that that kind of plays out or what does that look like Mm. maybe in the church context or even in a broader sense? Great question. Um, I'll start again going back to a few biblical accounts that stick out to me. Mm -hmm. So there's this other dude in the book of Genesis. His name is Joseph. 
and he has a rough start in life. He gets picked on probably for good reason. His other brothers want to kill him. They don't kill him, but they sell him to slavery, which isn't that far off. Yeah. And the story of Joseph is pretty dramatic. He mm-hmm. ends up being imprisoned, uh, falsely accused, but then there's this dramatic rise to power that happens almost overnight due to his ability to interpret the Pharaoh of Egypt's dreams, right? mm. something that no one else could have done. And in fact, Joseph admits that no human could do it. The only reason why he can do it is because God gave him that wisdom. Mm-hmm. Anyway, out of that, Pharaoh's mind is blown and he's like, you know what, Joseph, you will become second in command only to me. All of Egypt is under your control. In fact, there's this line that says, no one in Egypt will lift a hand or lift a foot without your approval. So this dude has mm. massive power. Yeah at the age of 30. Now, imagine being someone who had been betrayed, been through all these rough circumstances, and now given all of this power. As a 30-year-old, I could imagine him uh, probably taking the route of, you know what, this power is now mine to use as I see fit, Mm. either through retribution, either for just the benefit of myself, whatever, right? But he turns around and uses that power, that authority, Mm -hmm. to then put together an action plan because part of what God showed him is that, hey, this nation that you're a part of, Egypt, will experience seven good years of everything, productivity. Mm. But after that, seven years of great famine where everything essentially dies. Yeah. With that knowledge, with that authority, Joseph goes to work and he begins to store things. He plans things. He builds things. He leads people. And that's just a beautiful picture of what I think God is mm. trying to do. He blesses us. And scripture makes it clear that it's through God's heart and desire that elevates Joseph to this place, but it's not just to benefit Joseph. Is Joseph in a good place? Does he receive the fruit of all of this? Yes, I mean, he's, he's living it up, but again, he sees the need around him and ends up not just saving the nation of Egypt, but that entire area um, mm. of that you know geographic location, whatever. Um, and it's because of his power and his desire to serve others that I think becomes a good example for us. Mm. When we receive power in any, Uh, form or shape, how then can we use that to serve others, to bless others, to promote life wherever we happen to be? Hmm. I think it's cool to think about these figures throughout scripture who've demonstrated this, right? Who give us these examples, these stories of really pretty remarkable um, outcomes. And it's it always reminds me as I look kind of at their beginnings, right? You said like he was betrayed. All of these awful things happened mm-hmm. to him. It wasn't like he had this amazing outcome because he was just some like lucky blessed dude who had it all good. Um, and it's encouraging for me to realize like, oh, okay, even I, it was somebody who has, there's, I don't have to be perfect and have it all together for God to use me too, mm-hmm. because look at who I used throughout the Bible. Um, but it's helpful to realize as we're talking about this, is this something that you think, because I can listen in, to these stories and think, okay, man, they're, these are really special dudes. They mm-hmm. got, you know, God was closer to them or they were, they existed in Bible times. So of course they were able to serve because they were, you know, they had easier access. But do you think all of us today have the same opportunity and are given the same op- like ways and offerings to be people who serve others like those men did? Yeah, um, absolutely. But it's different for each one of us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we might get hung up, mm-hmm. either through trying to compare ourselves to others in terms of what can I bring to the table? Uh, what can I do in terms of making a difference? Oh, I don't have that kind of status or authority. Sure. But when we really take a step back from that approach and start with this truth that God has created each of us in a unique, beautiful way, within us are gifts, talents, mm-hmm. and abilities to different measures. And that's, that's, that's humanity, right? We're all different. 
but we each carry within ourselves uh, that same kind of promise, but all, also that same kind of potential. Mm-hmm. So where I like to start in my personal life is to try to open my eyes, right? And have this posture of prayer saying, Lord, who or what is around me? Mm-hmm. What are the needs that are present? And that's usually the biggest hurdle because often in our context, a lot of um, what we receive in terms of commercials or advertisements are meant to serve us mm. in a consumeristic um, society, right? right? Like, what do you want? Let's fulfill your needs. Like, do this for your benefit. And it's all very self-centric. Mm-hmm. Um, by having this heart attitude and posture, by starting with prayer, saying, Lord, help open my eyes to see the needs around me, the people around me, that then I think gives us a new lens to see the needs and then the question and that conversation begins like, okay, how can I meet these needs? Mm-hmm. What role can I play? Mm-hmm. Can I open a door for someone? Um, can I invite someone to lunch? Can I reach out, make a phone call and check in on somebody who I think has been having a rough time? So all of these things begin to surface. Should we take that posture? Should we uh, adopt that perspective? Yeah. Do you have to have an official job title or an official role or serve an <clears throat> official capacity to be somebody who serves others? Absolutely not. Um, in fact, for me, gosh, I think some of the most meaningful moments, um, both when I've been served uh, or when I observe others serving, comes from that place of seeing people who seem to not have much um, in, mm-hmm. in you know, first glance. But then you're like, wow, they, they, they really gave of themselves um, with what they had. And I think that might even be more, um, gosh, striking than somebody who's like, yeah, has all the resources. Like she's got all, all the power. Like she's got a big name. Like, of course, she would be able to do this. But then just to see someone, your quote unquote average person mm-hmm. um, doing something to go, quote unquote, out of their way to help someone else. Yeah, it could be anybody. Mm-hmm. So what would it look like if... Hope Church here, for example, started to really have a culture and be a community where we were known for serving others. What are some things that you would say, like, we would know that that was true, that we were maybe doing this well, not that there's necessarily a rubric of it, but we would know that we were people who were loving others well, blessing others well, giving of what we've been given. What would that, what are some ways you would see that happening or what would that look like on display in our community? Yeah, um, a good question, I think, for me uh, to kind of relate it to Hope Church is thinking about the people in our lives Mm -hmm. who make that kind of difference already, right? So if I were to ask the question, hey, folks, think of someone in your life Mm -hmm. that you know of that makes a difference, who lives a way of life, lives in a way of life where they're always postured to serve. So I shared this example with uh, a group of people not long ago, but I think about my mom. Mm -hmm. Now, my parents separated and divorced in my early 20s. And she, having been born in Korea, her English is still not that great. She doesn't have a lot of professional degrees. And so she's a woman of um, little means. But there's this one story uh, a few years ago when I went to visit her. And I wanted to stop by a florist and ordered a bouquet of flowers. And it was nice. I was like, oh, man, mom's (laughs) going to love this. And so I I knock on her door and say, hey, mom, great to see you. And I give her the flowers. And she's like, oh, man, this is so beautiful. Come on in. So she puts that bouquet, that vase on her table. And then she goes away to the kitchen for a few moments. I'm like, what is she doing? She comes back with another vase and she begins to pull out flowers from the bouquet that I got her and puts them into the vase. I'm like, mom, what are you doing? Yeah. And she's like, oh, I know of somebody who would love to have flowers. Oh. <laughs> and I'm like, mom, come on, I, I bought this for you. And so she's an example of a person who takes what she has to make an impact. Mm. And I can only imagine how other people respond to her. Mm-hmm. So that's an example uh, on a very like 
uh, one person scale. Yeah. Then you think about a church whose mm-hmm. community, whose population is postured to serve in this way. And I think very quickly there's an impact being made, mm-hmm. right? It's not for the sake of advertisement or to make Hope Church great, but people begin to say, yo, those people from Hope Church, or even if they don't know Hope Church, like those people are always being so kind. Mm-hmm. I see them going out of their way. They serve us and man, they're, they're making a difference. And so for me, I think about, wow, when we begin to, as a community, tune into the fact that we are created to be a blessing for others, that that should have some resonance or impact on the community around you. Mm. Then conversely, a question is, does the community know we exist? Mm. Do they experience the impact of who we are in those ways? Mm -hmm. So those are some good questions. And the final thing I'll say about this is that Jesus makes this dynamic pretty clear uh, in the gospel accounts. I'm thinking about Matthew chapter 5. And some of us may have heard this analogy where Jesus is like, you all, the people of God, you're salt and light of the earth. And at that last verse, um, I think it's like verse 16, he says, um, so let your light shine before others mm-hmm. so that they see your good deeds and that they praise not you, but your father in heaven. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like the sequence event of events where because you are called by God, because you are his people, you will do good things mm-hmm. that will shine and people will see it and then worship God as a result. Mm-hmm. So another way of me providing a response uh, is to say, hey, what's kind of the worship culture like mm-hmm. around your community? Is there a good quote-unquote reputation of who God is as a result of who we are and what we're doing. Hmm, that's cool. On that same verse in Matthew where it talks about being the salt of the earth and the light of salt of the world and light of the earth, yeah, whatever yeah. it is, um, my parents, when we were younger, always, they, they took that verse and made this like quippy little shake and shine <laughs> um, was kind of this like, almost this kind of charge for us to be like, all right, it's kind of like, okay, bye, have a great day, like shake and shine. Mm. Um, and it stuck with me mm. as a funny thing, but to think about the way salt like enhances the flavor of what's already there, yeah. right? It kind of brings the best out of what you've got and the way that light shines in the same way, like illuminates the beauty of things. It's, it's cool for me to think about how can I truly shake and shine or be somebody who does that, who, um, you know, maybe sees some raw materials and chooses to make something beautiful out of it or do something Mm -hmm. good with it, um, to see a need and be able to meet it or step in and offer a helping hand or a resource, or even just a shoulder to cry on, um, to be somebody who tries to shine light into places where there might be darkness or brokenness. Um, that's an encouraging posture to take. And I think really the biggest thing for me that it, it requires work, right? Mm. It's it's very easy to just come in and to receive or to be somebody who just takes it in and leaves it there. It's more of a kind of consumeristic approach to church yeah. in a way that you just kind of come to be filled and you leave and that's it. Um, but it's a shift and it takes some intentionality and some effort and a response to do something with what we've been taught, with what we've been given. Um, and I love thinking about the ways I can do that more. Yeah. And it really requires kind of an awareness and an availability to oh, be yeah. interrupted almost. I think so often throughout scripture, we see Jesus maybe on the way to do something. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose. And along the way, something happens. Yep. And it'd be so easy to be like, no, no, no. I like, I don't have time for this. I got to go here. I was right. about to go do this really great thing, or I was headed <laughs> to work today, or I was on my way to you know pick up my kid from school. I don't have time to deal with the person who just asked me for something yeah. or the call that I just got and a friend needs help or, you know, I see something, but he was willing to be interrupted, willing to see the need and not only just see it and acknowledge it, but respond to it yeah. and be open to it. And that's, that's a challenging place to be, but it's encouraging to me. Like, could I be more like Jesus in that way? Man? Yeah. You hit the nail on the head several times there. Um, you know, you talk about Jesus and he explicitly tells and teaches and models for his followers. Mm-hmm 
that this is how they should then live. Yeah. So there's this uh, passage, I think, in Matthew chapter 20. He's hanging out with his dudes, his disciples, and they're basically arguing about who's the greatest amongst themselves, Mm -hmm. thinking that this whole power dynamic worked the same way within the kingdom of God as it did in kingdoms of the earth. And Jesus flips the script and he basically says, hey, if you want to be great, and they're like, yeah, we want to be great. If you want to be great, you have to become everyone's servant. And in some translations, it says to the point where you're uh, allowing yourself to be a slave to others. So it's very strong language to drive home a point. Like if you want to be great in the eyes of the Lord, in the Mm. eyes of God, um, it's not about how you hoard power and authority to coerce or manipulate people. It's really like, can you posture yourselves to, to serve? And again, a a different person in scripture, a dude named Paul, writes this letter to a group of people, um, the Philippian group, and he says, prefer one another over yourselves or Mm -hmm. value others above yourselves. And what that's not saying is don't value yourself. So it's not saying you have no value. Everyone's better than you. It's not saying that, but it's like, hey, when you can think about valuing others above yourself Mm -hmm. and so that's that whole posturing like even physically internally whatever that looks like you're you're ready to elevate or to serve other people and to your point even at the expense of being interrupted from Mm -hmm. your own agenda from your own to-do list right reminds me i think it's a c.s lewis quote where he says humility is not thinking less of yourself but Mm -hmm. thinking of yourself less And I think about, man, how often do I go throughout my day and my constant like train of thought, the loop going on in my mind is all about me, what I got to do next, what I need to accomplish, who I am, why are people bothering me? <laughs> it's yeah. all about me. And if I can, it's like you said, it's not that I have no value or that I have no worth. And it's just, could I switch and think about other people more than I think about myself? And in doing so, I think I would feel better about myself. Like mm-hmm. I think the concerns and the doubts and the worries, and anxieties that I would feel internally and maybe be so so focused on or consumed by would diminish and shrink in light of being able to offer something to other people and to be able to put them first. Um, I generally always find that the act of encouraging someone else is encouraging to me. The act of blessing someone else is a blessing to me. Um, And all of those things do come back. And I think the Lord rewards and values the way that we can serve others. And in turn, um, not that we would do it for that, that it would be, oh, okay, I'll be nice to this person so that the Lord would be, you know, (laughs) bless me in return. But because I have been so loved and because I have been so blessed, can I be a blessing? Can I love others? Can I extend out of that? Um, the Bible even says the Lord did not come to be served, right. but to serve. Yeah. Um, and if that's our model, man, that's encouraging for me to, how can I be more like that? Absolutely. I think a big hurdle is this perspective or idea that it's a zero sum game. God can only give out a certain amount of goodness. And once he runs out, it's over. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I better get in line. I better get my portion. Right. Mm-hmm. But when we see, so part of this is the, the trust factor of who God is to us. Mm-hmm. Do we believe that God has more than enough to, mm-hmm. to bless me, even when I give, that he'll come back and bless me some more? Um, and so it's kind of like a faith dynamic as well, yeah. how we relate and trust God in the process. I was thinking about this recently and realized that it was a helpful kind of switch for me and to think that love and God's love is not a limited resource and the kingdom is not an exclusive, like, like a country club where there's a certain capacity to it. Um, there isn't a cap on the kingdom. Right. And so it's not that if I invite somebody else in, I'm at risk of getting kicked out or if I give something to them, I'm going to somehow lose something for myself. These things aren't limited. There is room for more. If there's anything I know to be true about God is that everything about him is bigger and better and far more 
more expansive than anything I can wrap my head around. Absolutely. And it, it just, it's so freeing to realize that. Cause like you said, I'm not going to, it's not going to like, I'm losing anything in this. Mm-hmm. If anything, I'm gaining so much by giving. Yeah. To others. That's awesome. So an encouragement that I might throw out to mm-hmm. our listeners would be again, um, a two-step process. One, begin with prayer, mm-hmm. asking the Lord to open your eyes and your heart uh, to the needs around you. And then step two is look around. Mm. Look at your inbox. Look at your um, list of text messages that you've mm-hmm. been receiving. Look at the people who are literally physically around your space and try to perceive a need. And then I guess step three would, would be the optional part. Like see if you can move to address that need. So yeah. pray, um, look around, and move. I love that. Well, thank you all so much for listening today. We invite you to subscribe to the Hopecast and your favorite podcast app. Maybe share this episode with a friend you find, if you found it encouraging or you think it would be a helpful and encouraging resource to them. Um, maybe that's a way that you can bless or serve others or invite some people into this with you. And maybe it's your small group that you share this. You all listen together and think of some action steps that you can take as a group or with your family. Mm-hmm. Um, as a way to respond. So if you want to learn more about Hope, get connected with us, maybe even join a serve team as an additional kind of way that you want to connect and be part of blessing and serving others. You can find all of our information at hopechurchrva.com. And we hope to see you next time. 